Hey homebodies, it's Robin and Molly and we're here to remind you that if you're looking to buy a home or refinance to be sure to check out our platinum sponsor Aaron Schmitz with Epic Mortgage. Aaron is licensed in Minnesota and Wisconsin and is a top lender in the area. You can find his information on our website homeiswherethemurderis.com in all our show notes and on all of our social media platforms. Again, if you're looking for the best in lending, check out Aaron Schmitz with Epic Mortgage. Hi, I'm Molly. And I'm Robin. And this is... Home is where the murder is. Hey, Robin. Hey, Molly. How's it hanging? Oh, it's okay. Yup. Do you want to talk about anything? Not especially. <laughs> okay. No, I, um, so... Probably gonna cry right now. Don't Um, cry. it's fine. So, last night, Charlie died, my dog. Um, see, I'm already starting to cry. Oh. It's fine. I'm not fine. So, luckily, this is Robin's murder and not mine because, I mean, it's not like I'd be talking about a dog the whole time. Otherwise, oh, what if this was a dog podcast, I was I'd be royally <laughs> screwed. Thank God it's a murder podcast. Um, Jesus. Right? Um, but, well, yeah. Um, unfortunately, Charlie passed away last night. So I'm not doing too well today. So, yeah. Well, you look great. That's a complete and utter lie. No. My, I am a very puffy-faced person today. Yeah. Well, um, pulling it off like a real champ, though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's been a, a rough week. Yeah, yeah, another I mean, person that um, I I knew you knew and loved much yeah. more than I did passed away too. Yep. Family friend and a client of ours yep. passed away this week. So, and then we lost podcast pup, and yeah, it's just been a really shitty week. It's been a rough week. So we and thought I'm, I'm on a roller coaster of emotions today. I've just been. Little things have just been, like, triggering me. Um, just I just start crying out of nowhere, which, you know, it's literally been 24 hours since yeah. he passed away. So. Well, and he was a special pup. He had a lot yes. of fun traits that oh my gosh. most dogs, I don't know, actually had. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yeah. Charlie? So, Charlie, he was a Sheltie. Um, he loved to chase the Frisbee, chase the ball, especially in his younger years, still now, but... You know, he didn't have as much, much stamina as he used to have. Um, but he uh, he hated consumerism. <laughs> so if, when we would get Amazon packages and we would go to start opening up the box, he would bolt it. It's like he just hated the sound of packaging being opened, which was <laughs> a very weird thing. Yep. He also hated sne sneezes. Oh <laughs> if he would sneeze, he would get up from wherever he was and just run to the yep. other room too so he, it was really like these really random noises he just hated yeah so he would just leave he'd be out um he whenever my husband matt would mow the lawn he would follow him around drop the ball right in front of him make <laughs> matt have to stop mowing and throw the ball for him so matt was mowing tonight and it was 
triggering to him because he thought about that. And then Charlie would come inside with his little white paws. They would be very green because he'd be following him around literally the entire time. Um, Charlie was my shadow. He'd follow me around room from room. If I'd go downstairs, he'd look at the top. He'd be at the top of the stairs. Look at me. Come downstairs. He'd be like, what? You left me up here. I don't believe you're coming back. He'd come downstairs. I'd be like, Charlie, I'm coming back. And didn't believe me. He'd come down there. Um, yeah, he, oh, he also had a breathing problem, I think. The emphysema. Emphysema. (laughs) He'd be like, (laughs) it was kind of funny. Like, we just joked about it. He was totally fine. He didn't really have, like. It was just this thing he did. It was the funniest thing. We'd just be sitting there all of a sudden. He'd just be like, (laughs) we're like, okay. Like, he'd have to put in his two cents. Yeah. We're like, oh, okay, Charlie. Oh, my um, gosh. Remember the time that he got hot browns in the middle of the night? Yeah, Robin was staying <laughs> over, and he, she looked over at Charlie, she, and it's like Charlie's trying to tell her that, like, she, he needed to go out, but it was, like, the middle of the night. She's like, no, it's you're fine, Charlie. And then all of a sudden, he's looking at her, and he just can, started shitting on... <laughs> Shit everywhere on your new rug. <laughs> on my new rug, which I was very excited. It was one of those washable rugs, yeah. thankfully. So it worked so out nicely. But it, it was, worked out. He was like, like, oh, this is that washable rug that mom He's like, got. thank God mom got a washable rug. <laughs> but it was because... the funniest thing because I'm like, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> so I was in the middle of the night cleaning up hot browns. <laughs> yeah, because she didn't come wake us up, which I would have been no. totally fine. No, that's weird. I mean, yeah. I've been here long enough that I think She's I know. Like, well, I guess clean I'm cleaning up dog poop now. Yeah, but, but yeah. Yeah, he was a special boy. He was such a good dog. He would yeah. get very excited for walks. He would just start barking. Yeah, he was very loud. He would just bark the entire time we were outside playing, like throwing the ball. If the, we were outside yep. with the kids, so we'd have to put him inside eventually because he would bark, and it's just like in the neighborhood. It's and it's like, funny because it's like his way of talking. So it, he it wasn't was just like so excited. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, it was never like a malicious bark. It no. was just like, "Hi, what are you doing? Okay, all right, hi, nice to meet you." And it was just constant. And, and it he was, was just so happy. Yeah. It was yeah. just his happiness. He, he it was, was just his way of expressing yeah. that he was just so happy. Yeah, he was the best. He yeah. was a good dog. He was such a good. We called him Pup Pup yeah. Puppy Charles. Nope, Charles when he was being being something. Charles. Oh, yeah. Charles. Oh, Charles. <laughs> so he he was a great dog. Yeah. He lived eleven years. He did have seizures for about six or seven of those. So he was on pills daily. But he loved pill time. For the most part, the last yeah well. little bit here, I had to literally be like putting pills down his throat, so that was hard. And yeah. he stopped eating as much, and you know, it it was almost like his little body was you know kind of given up. Yeah. And, but I mean, life expectancies of Shelties are usually about eleven to thirteen years, and he was over eleven years with seizures, yeah. so he had a really he had he had a good life. But you know, you always I keep in my head, I keep on thinking like, should I have done more? Is there more? I know and. Robin's going to say, oh, you did, you know, whatever. Know. But, but this is what you do. Oh, I know. This is what you do. Because he had, like, a nail thing going on. I'm like, maybe I should have taken him in. That maybe he had an infection and it, like, got into a system or something. Yeah. But it wasn't even, like, inflamed or anything. But, you know, you just always, so, like, wonder. And this is stupid, but be, a couple of days before he passed, we before you, um, when I was over here last and he kept licking his yeah. paw, I thought to myself, it reminded me of my grandma when she was doing really weird things before she passed. Yeah. I was like, I'm sitting at the kitchen table, and I said to myself, I'm like, maybe he thinks it's a ice cream cone. Well, and, the, and, then, and, and then, but I mean, and that's the thing, like, dogs do start kind of doing and, like, 
kind of yeah. having weird ha- like behaviors. Yeah. Be- but I wasn't about to say that to you, so I just kept that to myself. Well, and so. that's fine. And, like, my dad's dog to Cody, I guess he started biting at his tail and stuff soon before he was passing. Really? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean. Wow. Dogs, you know, it, it's almost like they kind of know and. Yeah, they don't know what to do, I guess, maybe. I don't know. It's yeah. kind of weird for them, I'm sure. But and, Yeah. And then the worst part is, is you have a 13-year-old dog, Dakota. Yeah. And she knows her buddy's yeah. gone. So yeah. that's sad. Like, you can visibly see her She's sad. sad. I mean, you yeah. know, she's, you know, only was around for two years. And then we got Charlie. And, you know, so that's been her buddy. She's always had him around. And yep. we put Charlie into the grave today. We went out to my dad's to bury him. And she went into the grave and, like, smelt him and stuff. Aww. And, yeah. That's awful. I'm sorry. I know, but I'm I'm happy. I'm happy she did that. So hopefully she, you know, has her a little bit of closure. Yeah, because dog. I mean, dogs know so much more than we think. I, I oh, I'm I sure. believe the way that dog looks at me. I think she knows a hell of a lot more than oh, I do. She probably. She's like, girl. I know yeah, right? when things she's are gonna like, happen. She's like, I'm around when you're farting in your sleep. She goes, I know what you had yesterday <laughs> right? for lunch. You shouldn't have so, had that. Yeah, right. Gonna go but, right yeah. to your hips. Yeah. Either way. But um little well, things I keep on seeing things like around the house, like you know, it's it's just hard. It, he was one of my first babies. He was a birthday gift from Matt. So was Dakota. So I said to Matt, my birthday is actually Saturday. So I'm like, please don't get me another puppy. I'm not ready for another dog. He's like, I wasn't thinking of it. I'm like, right, but you have a track record of giving me puppies, and I do not want a puppy. So and I'm please. over here, like, looking at corgis. I'm like, well, maybe we'll get, like, five to ten corgis, and then she'll be so happy. No. I, I might, no? My little heart could not take it right now. Yeah, no, I know. But, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a sad I'm a sad Molly today, so. Well, I don't think my story is going to make you feel any better. Is it not an uplifting it's tale? Not. It's absolutely oh, not. Shoot. But is that, so, am I not at the right podcast? So, no. Oh. But I have to tell you, when, so when our friend Lisanne passed away, uh, actually on your anniversary this week. It's been a really been weird a week. week. Um, she passed away. And my mom, that was one of my mom's best friends. So my mom was really sad. And I was like, well, I want to cheer my mom up. And I was like, how do I cheer somebody up? So I Googled a joke. And so maybe I could give you the joke and you could tell me if it helps. Shoot shoot your shot. Why was Cinderella bad at soccer? Because she, she, something about the ball. Damn it, Molly. What she is kept it? running away from the ball. Okay, she kept on running away Damn from it, the ball. Damn it, I thought that was the funniest effing joke. I told my mom, and I was laughing so hard that I was crying. What did Lori say about and it, And my though? mom just went, <laughs> Yeah. Yep, Robin. Okay. That's what my mom did. Yeah. But she was like, thanks for trying, kid. I'm like, I thought that, I mean, I was laughing so hard. So no, okay. Well, if anybody else out there. I, I appreciate you, though. Damn it. I'm going to... Robin did bring me a card and flowers and band-aids. Well, Logan picked it out. Yeah. I picked out the band-aids. They have dogs on them. Yeah. How Which, cute funny I? enough, so as I was giving Charlie his pills yesterday morning, he wouldn't take them, so I had to stuff them down his throat, as that's I had been nice. having to do. Well, that's I know, but it's what just you the have way you to say do. It. I know. I had to make... I had to force him to take his seizure pills. His... One of his teeth, he had the worst teeth and the worst breath. That's just something about Charlie, too. <laughs> 
caught me and it cut me. And I, I feel I keep replaying this too. I said, I got mad at him. You know, I kind of like scolded him. I'm like, Charlie, you know, naughty, you know, cause he wouldn't take his pills and he cut me and little did I know he's like literally dying. And I'm like, I just keep replaying that it makes me feel awful. But so I have a cut on my finger. It's my right hand, middle finger too. And my morbid brain keeps thinking, oh, maybe I'll have a scar from Charlie. So I'll always have him like on my hand, like I'll have a scar from the his last day when he cut I me mean, with his tooth. It's I think a, it's kind of sweet. I know. It's kind of a weird thing, but I'm kind of weird. So it's fine. You are kind of weird. But I mean, we look love at, you. look at what we're doing. I know, right? So it's fine. I feel like people will understand not, that. So that's only, why I said that, too. We're not the only weird ones because there's a lot of people listening to our podcast. And I know that because we are already almost to 6,000 downloads since last week. That's We were amazing. at 5,000. So... Well, I feel like, too, most of you people are probably dog people or cat yeah. people or have some sort of pet. So I, I feel yeah. like you guys probably yeah. can understand how I'm feeling. So if anyone's ever lost a pet, I feel for you. I've lost other pets. They've always been, like, our family pets. But Charlie is, like, my first, like, my pet. So that's why it hurts a lot. So I have just... <laughs> I keep get out of the tent. I can't, no, <laughs> so so, well, so I'm sorry, yeah. sweetie. I hate seeing you this I way. I know, especially on your birthday week. Oh, but I'm know. gonna give you the best it, birthday of your life. It's just another year. Thank. I mean, I'm thankful for another year, but you know, it is funny though because I just said I'm gonna give you the best birthday of your life. We have to go to a funeral that day. <laughs> that day we have a funeral, but you know, but what you do know you what? Do? After that. Best do you birthday do? of your life. We got this. It's fine. Yeah. I'm just happy that I'm here. So good. Well, that's our update for the week. The week sucks. What a bummer, um, hey? You guys are great listeners. You, we are. Hope you're flying. having a better week. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be. Probably. Can't be worse than this. Well, it probably could be, but I hope well, it's better. Yeah. So we all know everybody's got their shit, but we appreciate you guys listening to us and yeah, helping Molly you. get through this rough week. Yeah. So as I always say. Actually, I never say it, but tomorrow is a new day, and we're gonna we're gonna keep trucking forward, right? Continue on, continuing. Great. Well, let's hear about someone who also had it not so good. Yes, let's hear about another awful thing. Let's hear about an absolute pile of shit by the name of Joseph E. Duncan the Third. Oh, he's a third. Oh, he's a douche, is what he is. Well. Here. You guys are going to know this case. A lot of people know this case. You may not think you know this case because a lot of people don't remember the name of the guy that did this, but they remember his victims. Okay? Okay. So I'm going to get started here. (sighs) Joseph E. Duncan III was born on February 25th, 1963 in Fort Bragg, North Carolina to Joseph E. Duncan Jr. and Lillian May Duncan. He was the fourth of fifth, nope, nope, he was the fourth of five children. There we go. Fourth of fifth, though. Sounds good. Having three older sisters and one younger brother. Duncan's father was in the United States Army, so the family moved around every couple of years until he was about 12 years old when his father retired after 20 years of service. Thank you, sir. His younger brother, Bruce, stated in 2005, in a 2005 interview, that their family was completely normal. They attended church and there was no abuse. No family's completely normal. I'll just What are you that. talking about? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> as boring as they come, I guess you could say. However, Sherry, one of the older sisters, 
stated in 2013 that she saw their childhood completely different. She stated that their mother was both emotionally and physically abusive, often slapping the girls and belittling them while their father was away at work. Joseph Duncan Jr. took a job with the United States Postal Service, and the family settled in Tacoma, Washington. The change in lifestyle was hard on the family, and when Duncan was 16, his parents separated, and after an additional four years of separation, they officially divorced in 1983. Duncan attended Lakes High School, but during his sophomore year, he never returned back after Christmas break. He was at a 1.7 GPA and using marijuana daily, as well as dabbling with LSD and prescription drugs. It's not a fun dabbling. No. Shouldn't dabble. Shouldn't dabble. Throughout his time as an army brat, he stated that he was always picked on wherever they would end up, so he found himself being isolated spending most of his time just watching TV and daydreaming. Eventually, his sisters moved out of the home, and his brother went to live with his father, who had remarried, but Duncan stayed behind in Tacoma with his mother. From a young age, Joseph Duncan had deviant sexual fantasies and tendencies. When he was eight years old, he was performing incestuous acts with female members of his family. Oh, no. We don't have who those people were i don't know but i mean it's you'd have to probably think it's sisters maybe but yeah i mean that's where my mind went but yeah there were it's i listened to a different couple different podcasts and i read a lot about this one and no one really had a definite answer on who he was referring to when he mentioned that yeah at the age of 12 he was he forced a five-year-old boy to perform oral sex on him And when he was 15 years old, he held a nine-year-old boy at gunpoint and made him perform oral sex on him as well. A year later, Duncan was arrested for stealing a car, trying to flee the police, and even attempted to run over a police officer with that car. He was arrested and sent to Jesse Dislin Boys Ranch in Tacoma. It was here that Duncan would meet with therapists and tell them all about his sexual crimes. I guess I should probably continue to tell you that they get worse. So if you're not, I'm not going to, if you don't want to hear about child abuse and things like that, I wouldn't listen to this episode because that's pretty much what the entire thing is. So just a late trigger warning. I'm really bad at like. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, people, people should know that if I'm giving a murder, it ain't good. Right. Yours are kind of. I know. They're all that way. I do it to piss off your husband. Oh. Anyway, telling that okay, so he would tell. The, oh, anyway, he would tell the therapist that by the time he was sixteen years old, he had already raped thirteen boys. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. In one instance, he talked about how he tied up six boys who ranged in age from six to ten. He then forced them to perform oral sex on him, and then anally raped each and every one of them. The doctors at this facility stated that he meets the definition of a sexual psychopath and noted that he intentionally goes out searching for victims and then, um, and that he should not be released. No. They short, they, shortly after the report came out, they released him. Oh, so they're like, he shouldn't really be released. And that's, that's a common, release him. common thing. Where yeah. People are like, don't put this guy back out in the wild. Right. I don't understand. They're like, let's take time to write a report. Let's yeah. not listen to the report. Right. Okay. So it didn't take long for him to end up arrested again. 
At the age of 17, he broke into a neighbor's home and stole their guns and some pornographic magazines. He told police that police that initially his intention was to steal the porn and go home and masturbate. Bas- wow. Masturbate. I am on a struggle bus today. You are. I think my tongue is bigger than my mouth today. Just today. Just today. Never has happened before. Nope. So he was going to go home and masturbate, but then he decided that the actual act would be better. He then lured a 14-year-old boy at gunpoint and raped him. He was arrested, charged with rape in the first degree, and given 20 years in prison and mandated to take a sex offender treatment program at the Western State Hospital. Clinical psychologists evaluated Duncan and stated that the position of power over children had developed into a very powerful and compulsive pattern. Mr. Duncan is not safe to be at large. There we hear it again. After 22 months in this program, psychologists essentially gave up on him, stating that he refused to commit himself to program techniques and that he was unwilling to modify his sexual deviant behavior, which is why he stayed behind bars for 14 years until his parole in 1994. Now, fun fact, that's the year that the Bon Jovi Crossroads album was released. It was their greatest hits album and included the release of their song, Always, which went to number four on the Billboard Top 100 charts. And no, I did not have to look up that information. Anyway. That's just in the top of your head. Isn't that sad? Not I know sad. Those things. It's just, it's just, just, it's for, it's just. Just who I am. It's just part of, who, yeah, who you are. So if anybody out there knows John Bon Jovi. Or knows <laughs> of a John Bon Jovi trivia night. Oh, dude, I would fucking kill. Please call Robin because yeah. she needs to go to one. <laughs> I could do it by myself. She's been waiting her entire that's, life to, for the call. That's my moment. Yeah. So, All right. In 1996, after bouncing around the Seattle area for a year or so, he was rearrested for marijuana possession but released with new parole restrictions. He then was arrested in 1997 in Missouri for violating his parole. He was sent back to prison where he remained until 2000. Now, something to note... He was out and about doing whatever he pleased from 1994 to 1996. And that's going to come back to, into play later. So just keep that in your mind, okay? A lot can happen in those mm-hmm. years. After his release in 2000, Duncan moved to Fargo, North Dakota. On July 3, 2004, Duncan molested two boys on a playground in Detroit Lakes, Michigan. And I've been to Detroit Lakes, and it is beautiful. I have not. Okay, well, not not in this circumstance, obviously, but if you ever get a chance to go on vacation somewhere, go to Detroit Lakes. It's really great. Okay? Good. Okay. I'll put it on a list. Okay, good. He was charged on April 5th, 2005 for those crimes, but was able to post his bail of $15,000 due to becoming friends with a wealthy businessman by the name of Joe Crary. Mm-hmm. Joe said that he and Duncan became friends who would like to ride bikes on the bike trail and that he really felt he was trying to turn his life around. I bet they like to ride bikes. Yeah, right. He also thought Duncan was innocent of the rape charges against the two boys because that's what he was told. By him. Right. Yeah. He wrote in his dispos- disposition for bail to the court that he didn't feel that Duncan was a flight risk because he was working to get his college degree and was holding down two jobs. This wasn't the first wealthy schmuck to hand out money to Duncan either. A pediatrician, that's right, folks, a pediatrician by the name of Richard, sorry, Dr. Richard Waxman, 
And it's wax, as in, like, you get whacked. Not wax, like you're getting waxed. Oh. Because I know with my Wisconsin accent, it's wax. It's the same thing. Like, what this guy's about to do is kind of whack. So, Dr. That's exactly it. Waxman, I call him AKA Dr. Dumbass, gave Duncan $6,500 in 1997 to help with attorney fees and also petitioned the court to let him stay with him in his home rather than go back to jail for his parole violations. That luckily, seems good. Yeah. Well, luckily, the parole board had some common sense and rejected that offer as they didn't want to risk something bad happening to the doctor's children. Oh, God. A parole board cared more about this pediatrician's kids than he did. Yeah, no kidding. He was offering to bring down, bring a known convicted child rapist into his home. And for what? Like, and why? I don't know. Like, what? So he was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. ugh. And if you were wondering how Dr. Dumbass and Duncan knew each other, well, they met at a coffee shop. That was it. They met at a coffee shop, and somehow he weaseled his way into his life. And, yeah. Yeah. So he must have been kind of cunning, had some kind of... Seemed to, yeah. I mean, other. how was he getting these rich... Kind I don't of know. I, well-to-do people. You honestly, I think they were. I think it was a a, a oral sex kind of thing. Yeah, and neither of them want to admit it. But I don't. Whatever. Yeah. Or maybe it was love at first sight. I don't know. I shouldn't be too quick to judge. I guess. Right. So, um, one thing here, I say, do yourself a favor and go Google Doctor Richard Waxman. That's W A C K S M A N. And check out his WebMD reviews. Ooh, I bet you they're really good. People destroyed him. Yeah, I bet. For what he did. And it's it's really funny because people, when I first heard about this, I was like, wait a second. You have kids and you wanted to bring a known convicted sex offender who spent 14 years behind bars yeah. for raping young children into your home. So my thought was like, you're a fucking whack, wackadoodle. Yeah. And these... And then I always sometimes question, like, maybe there's more to the story. Nope, there's not. That's exactly what happened. And these people just lit him up. Well, and what was his reasoning that he gave? So I, the only thing I could find was that he was asked to comment on it and he refused. Yeah. So, but yeah, he's got horrible reviews now on all the websites and everything because, yeah, I mean, I don't know who would take their kid to see a pediatrician who bailed, who gave money to a known sex offender and then wanted to bring that sex offender into his home. Yeah, right. That's some fucked up shit. Yeah. Okay. So back to Joe Crary. He bails out Duncan, and what happens? Duncan immediately skips town. Which, didn't I just say that Joe Crary said that wouldn't happen? Right. Right, 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 right. On June 1st, 2005, a federal warrant was issued for his arrest. But unfortunately, the police would not get to him until it was too late. Now, this is where we get into what the dickhead did. On May 15, 2005, 40-year-old Brenda Garoni and her fiancé, Mark McKenzie, 37, were at home with Brenda's three kids, Slade, who was 13, Dylan, who was 9, and Shasta, who was 8. Are these ringing a bell yet? No. Nope. Good, 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 good. Uh-huh. Good. <laughs> Nighttime came and the kids crawled into bed. As Shasta was laying in her bed, she swore she saw someone in her closet and immediately went to get her brother Dylan to lay with her. Comforted by him being there, they both fell asleep. 
However, hours later, she would be awoken by her mother telling her, Sissy, you've got to wake up. Someone's in the house. Her mother led her and her brother Dylan to the living room where she saw Mark and Slade lying on their stomachs on the living room floor with their hands and feet bound in duct tape over their mouths. Watching them was a man dressed in all black holding a shotgun. That man was Joseph Duncan III and he had been stalking the family for days. He ordered Brenda to lay on the ground as well where she and she was bound next to her fiance and her son. He then bound Dylan and Shasta, but instead of laying them on the ground next to their family, he carried them outside. He then returned to the home where he bludgeoned Brenda, Mark, and Slade. The children outside could hear the thumps and groans coming from inside, but they didn't know what was going on. That was until Shasta saw her brother Slade get up and start making his way to the entrance of the home. Duncan went back and continued to beat all three family members until they were dead. He then put Shasta and Dylan into a red Jeep Cherokee that he had stole. It was a rental car, by the way. I found that out later on and I didn't put it in there, but I know it now. He stole a rental car and that's what he was driving. So a red Jeep Cherokee and he took off with the kids. The shock of these murders and disappearance of the two Garoni children made national headlines. Everyone was looking for these kids. Shasta and Dylan's faces were on every TV station, flyer, newspaper, you name it. However, days turned into weeks and there was still no sign of the two young children. People believed they met the same fate as their family, while others held on to hope that they would be found alive. So where were they? Duncan had driven to remote areas and began raping the two children. They would drive long distances and end up staying in two different campsites throughout this ordeal. They would continue to be tortured and molested, and Duncan would often remind them of how he killed their family with a hammer. At some point during these long weeks of torture, Shasta was standing on one side of the jeep while Dylan and Duncan were on the other side. Apparently, while Duncan was searching for a beer in the car, his shotgun accidentally went off and shot Dylan in the stomach. Shasta ran to the other side and saw her brother lying on the ground crying. Duncan took the shotgun, loaded it, and put it to the back of Dylan's head. He pulled the trigger, but it failed. Dylan begged Duncan not to kill him, but he reloaded the gun, put it to Dylan's head, and shot him. The shot killed him instantly. Shasta, his sister, watched the whole thing. Hmm. Yeah. That's so awful. Isn't it just... I mean, all of this is awful. It's just... A lot. It's a lot. Yeah. So immediately after Dylan was killed, Duncan began to cry. He said that he only did it to put him out of his misery, and that pisses me off. He wasn't sad that he had to kill him to put him out of his misery. He was sad because his little plaything was gone. Now he only had one kid to torture, and based on his track record, he liked the boys the most. Yeah. So to put him out of his misery is a bunch of bullshit. If you cared about not letting them suffer, you would never have hurt them in the first place, right? Like, yeah, that makes sense, right? Yeah. So it's to me that him crying after he killed Dylan was a bunch of bullshit. And it being an accident, I think, was bullshit, too. Well, I think that he was probably upset that, like you said, he didn't have him around anymore. Yeah. More than anything. It's not that he was sad that he had actually done it. He was sad that he was gone oh yeah it was all about him 100 percent. 
Shortly after Dylan was killed, Duncan decided that he needed to kill Shasta as well. He, ha- he asked her if she pre- preferred to be strangled or shot by a gun, which was so kind of him to do. Yeah. She chose to be strangled, so he put a rope around her neck and began to kill the young girl. However, she was able to get enough out enough breath and ask him to stop. She called him Jet, which was his nickname, and he stopped strangling her. Something even more disgusting came out of Duncan after this very moment. He then, he then asked the eight-year-old girl if she would like to meet his mother. That's weird. I know, right? So now he's got, like, some sort of connection to her? Like, like yeah. what? In what he, like, way? like, bonded or something. Yeah. Like, he thinks he bonded or something. Right. And, I th- and she's smart enough to be like, maybe this is my way out. Because she says, yes, you know, I, I, yeah, I'll meet your mom, you know. And it's been seven weeks of complete torture. So, yeah, she's right. like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, let's go do that, you know. So, um, which, of course, I believe is completely dumb on his part because that's, what's he going to do? How is he going to explain her? Right. So. Well, and she's all over the news. Exactly. So, on the morning of July 2nd, 2005, Duncan took Shasta to a dinner, a Denny's restaurant. Took her in public. Yeah. In the same town area of where the family was killed. Yeah. So, really not. I feel like this is the part I remember. Yeah. So he had not, he did not know that the victim's face had been plastered all all over for weeks because they had been out in the remote right. camping, yep. and it didn't take long for people to s- suspect that the little girl was Shasta Garoni. A waitress, the manager, and two customers worked together to call police and keep Duncan and the girl at the restaurant until police could arrive. They arrested Duncan without incident, and that's when the little girl looked at the waitress and told her, "I am Shasta Garoni." She was taken to the hospital for evaluation and was reunited with her father, Steve Garoni. It was clear to law enforcement that since Dylan was not with them, that he may very well be dead as well. They began looking for leads as to where they may have been to try and recover his body. And from what I could tell, they didn't right away ask her about him, which, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, after everything she'd been through, maybe, like, give her some time. Yeah. But um, but at the same time, you, you feel like you'd be like, hey, do you know where your brother is? Oh, yeah. What happened yeah. to your well, brother? I think, I think there was kind of an inclination, like, yeah. he's not with us or whatever. But they didn't want to, like, press it from what I could tell. Yeah. So uh, one thing to keep in mind, too, is they Shasta didn't know where she had been. So yeah. she's like, well, how am I going to tell you? You know. So luckily, a gas station attendant in Kellogg, Idaho, told police that he thought Duncan had stopped at his gas station. And when they reviewed the surveillance tape, it was confirmed that he had. Mm. That gave them a perimeter. And on July 4th, 2005, the remains of Dylan were found in the Lolo National Forest near St. Regis, Montana. A memorial service was held for Dylan on July 16th, 2005, which would have been his 10th birthday. Mm. I know. I know. So now let's get into his court situations. Because this guy... Not only did awful things, but he crossed a lot of state lines, okay? Yeah. So when that I- get, gets messy. It gets messy. So in Idaho court, Joseph Duncan III made his first court appearance on July 13th, 2005, where he was charged with three counts of first-degree murder and three counts of first-degree kidnapping. After many, many delays, jury selection was made on October 16th, 2006, so well over a year after he first made his court appearance. Only for Duncan to take a plea deal. So after oh. all that. Yeah. He was given three life sentences without the possibility of parole for the murders of Brenda, Mark, and Slade. Okay. 
Then, on January 18, 2007, Duncan was indicted by a federal grand jury in, I hate this name, Coeur d'Alene, Alon? Yep. It's in Idaho. Coeur d'Alene. Cordon Bleu. And it's funny because I heard it in the podcast. Still can't say it right. Yeah, right. So sometimes your body or your ears just don't. And then I have my fat tongue. There you, yep. So I'm just a mess. In your mouth. Yeah. So he was uh, indicted on 10 counts of kidnapping, kidnapping resulting in death, aggravated sexual abuse of a minor, and sexual exploitation of a child resulting in death. On December 3rd, 2007, Duncan pleaded guilty to all 10 charges against him. As a condition of the agreement, Shasta Garoni would not have to testify in the penalty phase of the trial. Due to a gag order, other details of the plea agreement were not released. And a gag order is kind of like what it sounds. It's a, it's a legal order by a court or government restricting information or comment from being made public or passed on to any unauthorized third party. They were, they were sealing up some information, which is no fun for those of us that want to know what the hell they're talking about. But yep. whatever. Yep. So during, during jury selection on April 14th, 2008, for another one. Yeah. Duncan decided to fire his attorneys and represent himself. That usually turns out great. <laughs> I know, right? He was evaluated by psychologists and they deemed him competent enough to not need legal counsel. I feel like most of the time they're like, yeah, go, go for it, Let's see it, what happens here. Yeah. Well, that didn't work out so well for him because on August 27th, 2008, after only three hours of deliberation, Duncan was found guilty and sentenced to death. He was given three life sentences, one for kidnapping resulting in death, sexo- sexual exploitation of a child resulting in death, and use of a firearm in a violent crime resulting in a death. All three were in regards to Dylan's death. Wait a minute. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, good. Sorry, he was charged so many times. He yeah. That I'm like, I did I They wanna, really wanted to make sure. I just wanted to make sure because They're like, you know what? We really messed up before yeah. when we said he shouldn't be out in public. Let's really Yeah, make right. Sure. Let's make sure that he definitely doesn't end up there yeah. again. So on November third, two thousand eight, Duncan was sentenced to an additional three consecutive terms of life without parole in federal prison for kidnapping Shasta Garoni and for sexually abusing Shasta and Dylan. So this guy racked up some time. But there's more. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great that he is, but it's like also, okay, we he's not well, getting... Well, sorry. The foot is so asleep that I legit can't even feel it. It yeah. is numb. We have got to get a bigger tent. All right. So during her captivity, Shasta learned that her family were not the first to die at the hands of Joseph Duncan III. Yeah. He confessed to killing Carmen Cubius. Oh, I hope I didn't say that wrong, but Cubius, she was nine years old, and her half-sister, Sammy Jo White, who was 11 years old, on July 6, 1996. So remember how earlier I said when he was out and about? Yeah. No one knew what he Unaccounted was up to? Unaccounted for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their remains were found on February 10, 1998, and Duncan confessed to beating them to death. He also confessed to killing a 10-year-old boy named Anthony Michael Martinez in April 1997. He had attacked the boy at knife point as he played in the front of his Beaumont, California house. He abducted him, raped him, and murdered him, 
leaving the boy's nude body in Indio, California, which was found by investigators on April 19, 1997. It wouldn't be until 2005 that they would find out that Duncan had committed this murder. Bloggers had noticed the similarities in the case after Shasta's story came out, and when asked about it, he stated that he did it as a revenge against society for sending him back to jail on a parole violation. Oh, good. What a dick. Because, yeah, they really, those kids really had something to do with it. Yeah, he's the worst. So while this asshole sat on death row, he managed to get a blog together where he talked about his time on death row and how he was a convicted sex offender, but definitely not a pedophile. Dear diary. Seriously. This guy thinks he's not a pedophile. Yeah. What a piece of shit. Is he one of the people that says that he's just sexually attracted to children? That's not his fault? Yeah, not his fault. Yeah. Stupid motherfucker. Since inmates do not have access to the internet, it was decided that he was writing letters to an unknown source and they were posting for him. Probably one of those dumb fucks who kept bailing him out and giving him money, if you ask me. It's like on The Office when they set Creed up with a... Oh, yeah, like a, a Word, Word document. document. <laughs> there, and he thinks that he's posting Was to the internet. www.creedsthoughts.com or something, something like that. that yeah. yeah. So I did find the blog and I posted it in the show notes so you guys can read it. And I 100%, if you got some downtime, read it. This guy is a fucking pig. And it's. Oh, I, I'm sure. I mean, obviously. But the best part is, is he bitches about how poorly he's treated in jail. Good. It makes me so happy. Good. So yeah, you need to you need to to read that. So it'll it's already in there. I already put it in the show notes because I was so excited about it. So. Yeah. So Duncan was sent to death row at the United States Penitentiary in Terre Haute, Indiana. He would sit there for quite a while as executions were on a two decade decade hiatus until 2019. Oh. Yeah, that was shitty of them. Yeah. He was eager to get executed because he didn't like the idea of rotting in jail and dying of natural causes. Like a regular person? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like di- just dying? Apparently he just wasn't happy being in jail. Yeah. Mm. No kids for him to... to yeah, to everyone's too old there. Yep. Alas, he would never get his dream of being executed because in October 2020, Duncan was diagnosed with brain cancer. No. He underwent surgery but declined chemo and radiation. Which he sure as shit didn't deserve anyway. Yeah. He was given six months to live and died on March 28th, 2021 at the age of 58. His body was cremated and he no longer exists in our world. He's nope. just gone. He's gone. He's they cremated dust. his remains and threw him away. Bye-bye. Like, bye. Vacuumed him up. He's, Peace. A, Peace. he's in a Hoover. Yep. <laughs> you think that's what they do? There's just a whole bunch of yeah. cremated pieces of serial killers in a hoover somewhere yep i like that they're labeled Ooh, i like that a lot different vacuums Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. nice it's a very reliable vacuum they they last forever yeah so he may not be here anymore but the damage he left remains to this day as you can imagine shasta garoni had a long road ahead of her an eight-year-old girl who hears her family murdered is raped and tortured for weeks watches her brother get murdered is constantly hounded by the media, lawyers, police, etc., and then has to somehow wake up and start a whole new life. A new life with constant traumas on the forefront of her mind. It's almost impossible to wrap my head around how someone could get through that, which is why when Shasta got older, she faced a lot of challenges. Which, yep, totally yeah. get it. Yep. I mean, I, I really, I don't blame what I'm about to tell you. 
don't blame her for anything because yeah her life was basically ripped away i mean it was ripped away from her so in february 2014 she was sentenced to serve 12 months at a juvenile detention center due to a drug-related crime in 2018 shasta again got into trouble with the law and pleaded guilty to two misdemeanor charges and i couldn't find an update for 2023 but as of 2022 she had turned her life around she's married to the love of her life and they have five children together she said that after Duncan died, she finally felt like she was free. So, I bet. That was yeah. some sort of relief in her head. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, we wish her continued happiness and su- success in her life because she does deserve it. So yep. I'm really glad that she got through her hard time there. Yep. Hopefully so, and she I continues. I saw some of her wedding pictures and stuff, and she looks like she's much happier. So Good. Yeah. So the home where the Garoni family was killed was located at 12725 East Frontage Road in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Ah, yes. Uh, It's beautiful. It it was a ranch home in a secluded area near a lake. Mm. Shortly after the murders, the home was bought by the state and they bulldozed it to the ground. And now the property just serves as protected wetlands. Oh. So something cool to note, too. Um that the community had set up a trust for Shasta after she was found, and they were able to raise a ton of money for her and her dad to have a new home to live in. So they kind of started a new life, essentially, and the community really supported them. So That's nice. Uh, so the hu- uh, the dad, I believe, still lives there. So there was not a whole lot of updates since 2022, but the dad was still living there, and, um, you know, Shasta was able to find love and have some kids. Yeah, and good. She works hard, and... Good. So that is the story of Joseph E. Duncan, what the a, third. What a pile of isn't he awful? Dust now. Yeah, thankfully. So I did listen to. There's a bunch of really good podcasts on that one too. It's a common one. Um, I don't know if you do remember it when it happened or whatever, but I remember when they went to the restaurant and stuff. Yep, yep. That's a that's a big one. But it, there's a lot of good podcasts on that. I suggest checking those out. But if anyone does have an update on how Shasta's doing, I'd love to know. I'm hoping it's still great. but I feel like 2022 is pretty recent, though, yeah, pretty for good. an update. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Pretty good. So, And there's nothing left of the house. so It's gone. Yep. So. Yeah. Well, that's nice job. That's story. Nice job. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Yeah. I don't know what to say to her. <laughs> it's fine. I did it. So, yeah. yeah you guys know the gist. Uh, and our... um contest is still going yeah, on yeah so don't, please don't forget about our contest we've been it's been great you guys are sharing so it's that serial killer map map it's my favorite i love it all you gotta do is uh share our podcast on your facebook page and or instagram or if instagram. you're an instagrammer yeah whatever uh and then just either send a screenshot to us or take us in it or something so we can see and you'll yep. be entered to win that serial killer map Yep. Uh, for details, go ahead and check out our Facebook page. I am going to post again tomorrow about that. Perfect. So, yeah, just reach out. If you have any questions, you can reach us at homeiswherethemurderis at gmail.com on our yep. website at homeiswherethemurderis.com. On our Facebook page, on our Instagram page. Mm-hmm. You can Home stop by our house. Is. I Yeah, I could. Our yeah. house. Yeah. Our Oh, I did say our house, you didn't I? right in. Robin uh, will be down in the tent. I'll be in a podcast tent. Yep. 
And uh, yeah, and, and don't forget, if you need to buy or sell real estate, we are the first persons you should be thinking to call yes. or text or if, email. If you're in the area here, otherwise we can refer you to yeah. some great people around the country. And we have good realtors. I was just actually talking to a couple of our referrals. We got some good people in our yep. database. So, so yeah, I'm telling you, I don't can, care where you live. We can hook you up if you yeah. are looking for someone. For sure. So, so yeah. well, you guys have a great rest of your week and yep. we love you. And keep on keeping on. There it is. There's my thought for you. Keep on trucking.